and A. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Approximate Podcast. My name's Jamie French, and we are on episode 32 of TGQ&A. How's everybody doing tonight? Oh, man. It's been a while. It's been about, oh, I'd say, geez, a month since uh, since I've done a TGQ&A. A couple of weeks ago, um, we did a, a flagship show, a proper uh, approximate podcast that uh, that really resembled a TGQ&A because we were trying to get back in the saddle. It was uh, me and my co-host, Orion. Um, and, you know, these, these episodes, they're, you know, getting kind of sparse for anybody that's been, uh, paying attention to the podcast. They know that, um, we made an announcement a little while ago that said that these episodes would kind of thin out for a little bit, uh, because we have a lot of awesome things going on. Um, uh, my co-host and I are in a band and we got some really kick-ass things going on with, uh, our album that we're completing. And uh, my personal career uh, in the adult entertainment industry, I got a lot of things happening. So that kind of takes away from the amount of time that we're, you know, that we would like to put to the Approximate Podcast. But due diligence, we are kind of picking up the slack and, you know, trying to give a few episodes here and there, show you that we haven't completely disappeared. And uh, so we gathered some questions up, and uh, tonight seems to be the right night for a TG Q&A. So before we get to any of the questions, uh, just some news. Like I said, some really awesome things are going on, and I got to tell you, I am on the best and the worst fucking diet in the world right now. It's all vegetables, all fucking vegetables, and I hate it, and I love it. I love vegetables, but it fucking sucks because I got myself acclimated to about three weeks worth of the worst, best food ever. Just, I came back from LA about three weeks ago with a little money in my pocket and um, I got a little bit lazy. I got a little bit lazy and I decided that with this extra chump change in my back pocket, I was just gonna sit on my couch, lay on my couch is more like it. And just constantly order uh, Uber Eats and DoorDash and uh, fucking go out and just have fast food. And it's just fucking wrecked myself. Uh, But now I got to scramble and I got to go on a like one meal a fucking day, pure vegetable, maybe a tiny bit of fucking little protein, like a little canned chicken or something. Throw it into the mix kind of diet. Uh, because in about three or three, four weeks, the powers that be are going to fucking chuck me in front of a camera again. And I need to start taking my body a little bit more seriously, which, you know, this also includes, uh, the fucking just walking, 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 doing, uh, you know, fucking going to the gym again and trying to like peel myself away from this like weird, comfortable lifestyle that I was up to for like the past three weeks and get myself back on track. So cross your fingers for me because uh, uh, <laughs> I don't know that I'm going to make it, but I'm going to do my fucking damnedest. Anyway, get that bullshit out of the way. There's actually something a little more pressing uh, that is kind of part and parcel for tonight's episode. Uh, we, we don't, don't necessarily have a uh, sponsor, as it were, tonight, but we do have a little bit of cross-promotion going on. Um, and we'll 
get to the questions and answers real quick, but first I, I have to say that um, there's a company that I've been working with for, oh, geez, about a year and a half now. Uh, they're called Manivids. You see? That's a, for anybody who's watching on the YouTube here, I'm holding up a mug. It says Manivids on it. Okay, now this is a company, love this company, and <laughs> they're very, they've been very, very gracious towards me. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a kind of a company that hosts um, independent content producers material, and uh, so basically I put, my, I put my content on their site. They make a little money. I make a little money, and they sent me a uh, care package with some uh, promo gear, and I, I really want to say thank you so much to the team at Manny Vids. Uh, but specifically, uh, Bella French, oddly enough, no relation, um, for for giving me all this gear. And so I just want to give a shot. I'm wearing their T-shirt right now that you can see. And, uh, and they sent me some mugs and stuff to use on the podcast. And in turn, on the Mannyvid site, they're going to help promote the podcast a little bit. And it's, gonna, it's a nice back and forth. Um, so just a, a really big... And sincere shout out to Manny Vids. Uh, Manny Vids, we have porn. You have money. Want to trade? Manny Vids. <laughs> there you go, Bella. So, uh, with that out of the way, um, let's start to get to the questions and answers, start to dive in deep. Um, we're going to start uh, with our Curious Cat questions. That's uh, curiouscat.me backslash Jamie French, and it's just a, a place where you can send in questions, and so we're going to, oh, we got a bunch of them. We got six questions on the Curious Cat. Uh, let me take a sip of uh, my liquid right here that I got. <laughs> All right. Excuse me. Okay, here we go. So we're just going to take these from the top down. <clears throat> um, anonymous asks, <laughs> they're all anonymous, uh, save for two of them. But Anonymous asks, uh, how well is the FFS uh, fundraising going, and is there any way we can help if we're broke? Okay, so, well, uh, let me let the audience know what FFS is uh, just for, you know, people that are new to the podcast or new to uh, trans people, <laughs> as it were. Um, it's... Uh, facial feminization surgery. And yeah, I do have I do have a little GoFundMe campaign uh, for that. And here's the deal. I mean, the question is, how much money did I make and what can poor people do to help out the fund? But let me get to something that's a little more important. Um, the thing is, with the FFS, it's, I don't, I don't want this to come off as a, a kind of a a charity thing. The world owes me nothing. My fans owe me nothing. People that empathize with a person that's trans owe me nothing. This is just a little thing that I'm doing for just in case you want to. Really, just in case you want to. But by and large, I know that here's what this facial surgery thing means to me. What, what they're going to do if I can make it happen, is they're, they're going to go in with a scalpel and they're going to like kind of chip away at some bone. They're going to 
kind of stretch some skin. They're going to peel some things back and staple it into place. And they're going to give me more of a femi face. But by and large, that's that's very, very much a privilege for me. That's If I can make that happen at all, that would be the hugest privilege in the world. It's not going to – if I don't make it happen if, and if it doesn't ever happen, it's not like I'm going to kill myself over it. The the deal is is that this is this is like kind of like the last icing on the cake if I can make it happen, but I completely understand that it's something that I have to earn. You know, I'm not depending on people to provide it for me. I'm just giving the opportunity for those for folks that may want to help out to help out if they choose. But in the grand scheme of things, as a trans person and as a person that suffered a, an amount of dysphoria, enough to where I've altered my body as, as much as I have, I mean, uh, I'm coming up on seven years of um, hormone replacement therapy. I, you know, I have, I have a boob job, um, and I've, it's the year mark where um, I've undergone my orchiectomy, essentially my balls have been removed. You know, I've I've done all these things that that help my psychology out to kind of medicate my my dysphoria. And by and large over the course of years that I've gone through all these processes, uh I'm I really do feel like I'm in a a good healthy stable position. And if if I can't get this last little thing done, I it's I'll be fine. I'll be fine because the way I see it now, I'm like okay. My looks at, at the age that I am with the li- the kind of life experience that I have, my looks and my dysphoria and my position as a transgender person, they're really kind of like the least of my concerns. I don't predicate my happiness on how far I've gone with my transition. At this point, I've kind of really reached an equilibrium and and all the all the little things that seemed so important years and years ago that I thought would make me happy, I at at the age that I'm at, I I realized that I've gotten it fucking pretty good. I've gotten it really fucking good. And I'm fortunate that I've been able to progress as far as I have on a physical plane. But like all the things that are most worthwhile that come from me have nothing to do with my gender or my dysphoria or anything like that. So I just, I just, to, to answer the question, I, I know I'm kind of going off on a little bit of a tangent here, but to answer the question, yeah, some money has come in for the GoFundMe campaign. It's like eh, three or so hundred dollars. And if there's anything that you can do to help out, if you're a, you know, if you're poor but you, you know, still want to help a little bit, just retweet the campaign. I mean, that's what else can you do? You know, that that's that's enough. Uh, that little bit of effort just clicking the mouse um that should that shows enough support in and of itself and i appreciate it and i appreciate every dime that's come my way but ultimately 
um, I'm I can't depend on uh, donations. It's nice when they happen. It's nice if they happen. But this is if this is something that I really want to follow through with, it's really up to me. I have to uh, time budget and money budget, and I have to, you know, adjust my priorities to drive every dime that I have towards this particular surgery. And so long as I set aside time to do that and make a conscientious effort out of it, uh, ignore me, I don't know if I said that right, um, then I, you know, I will get out what I put in. So thank you for everybody that's helped in that endeavor. But ultimately, it's it's up to me. Now, that wasn't the the funniest answer in the world, but I hope that answers your question, Anonymous. Let's skip on to question two on the Curious Cat. Uh, another Anonymous says, uh, do you ever get uh, tired of the far too intrusive questions? Jesus Christ, do I ever. Uh, all of us do. All of us do. Um, I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna quantify it by saying as sex workers, but it's not as sex workers, it's as women. And there's a whole fucking, <laughs> there is a whole fucking uh, kettle of reasons why it, I have to draw it back to like such a broad point as women, not just sex workers. But let me, let me put a finer point on it just to help move the show along a little bit. And let me just address what it is to be a sex worker and and be completely inundated with uh, questions that we all as sex workers, w- whether you're a cam model, whether you're an escort, whether you're in porn, uh, w- whether you're uh, just – or you're spinning all those plates. And there's so much more, dominatrix, all, all these jobs. Um yeah, we are completely from day one, the moment we decide to cross that threshold and become sex workers, we are inundated through our social media, through our emails, uh, through uh, our DMs, yada, yada, with uh, uh, questions, um, dick pics, uh, people that are trying to slide into our DMs and, and hit us up for d- – Here's the deal. Here's here's the here's the problem and the solution, okay? I got answers. <laughs> um as a person that decides that they want to become what is essentially an entertainer across all sexual working like boards, you know, uh whether it's you're an escort or a, a cam model or a, a porn star or what have you. We're all getting into basically the same business, which is we are providing and creating a fantasy that's based off of looks that it's the whole impetus of what we're doing is we're essentially um, attacking the (laughs) – and I don't mean attacking in a bad way, but we are um, stimulating the most base part of a human's brain. We are stimulating somebody's uh, libido and sexual drive. And so what happens is we 
we'll shoot a scene or we'll provide a service or whatever. Uh, we'll we'll post some photos or a little video clip or whatever online where people see it. And the people that hit us up with these uh, DMs and dick pics and everything, it does get really annoying. But what the deal is, is we're – when they send us these things, it's because – they're in the – their brain is in the fucking like hottest moment and the most base moment that that they could possibly be in because that's exactly what we provided to them. You know, that was, that was actually the whole goal. Um, now, I'm not validating being bothered by folks. Let me go a little bit further. But let me say uh, that – they're like when they're sending you those DMs and those dick pics and stuff, they are in 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 the heat of the moment. They're literally jerking off to a photo or a, a video clip that you recorded, I don't know, maybe like three years ago. And their mindset is that they're imagining you as the thing that they're watching. And when they hit you up, they don't realize it's like a fucking Tuesday. You're out fucking shopping. You're you're doing. You're fucking paying bills. You're trying to fucking get something out of pawn. Like you're just like going. <laughs> you're just going through the fucking motions of your day, and you get this notification on your phone, and it's a uh, uh, such and such says a bunch of nasty shit, right? And and that is the last thing on your mind, but it's the very first thing on their mind, and that's because you. It's kind of a sign that you actually did your job. You provided them with the fantasy and you hit that fucking marker. And as a – we would hope that as a customer that that's the thing that you hit them in such a way that that's the thing that like pries open their wallet, you know. But what happens is they're hitting you up and – and you're you're going about your day and they don't – the thing – they don't know – that you're fucking grocery shopping. They don't know that you're having the worst day of your life. They don't even know that the thing that you're that they're looking at that you shot three years ago, that on set or in front of the camera, even then you could have been having the worst day of your fucking life. They don't know any of that, you know? So it's it's a real fucking bother, but there is a fix. There is a fix, and what you do is instead of letting these DMs and these questions and these dick pics get to you, instead of letting that bother you, here's what you do. It's very simple. You block and delete. You block and delete. Because if you take it all in and you f- you feel like you have a responsibility to look at everything and take everything seriously, like, like these people's inputs, like if you don't pay attention to it, it's going to fucking matter. Don't, don't even let it get that fucking far in your head. All you have to do is block and delete because you are under no obligation to respond to anybody. You're the one in power. This is your job. You hold all the cards. You're the one that disseminates the content. You're the one that provides the fantasy. So the moment that somebody crosses the line, you automatically get to say, that is that is beyond my comfort level. Go away. You get to play God and say no. Know this though. Know that when when folks, guys, 
let's be honest. Let's say guys, when they send you the DM, when they send you the dick pic, when they send you the intrusive questions, take it with a grain of salt at first because the first point is that all that means is that you did your job. What you're doing is effective. But there's absolutely a point where if they go too far, they cross a line and then it upsets you. And at that point, you call the shots. You just block and delete. You do not have to deal with these people. And everybody's threshold is different, okay? So what what might bother me may not bother the next person. But I have my line. They have their line. And you have your line. So essentially, just don't let it bother you until it bothers you. And then when it bothers you, Get rid of them. You don't have to create a big fuss. You don't have to complain about it. That If you do, that means that they're taking up, they are occupying way too much space in your head, and they don't get to do that. Don't let them. Don't let them do that. You're under no obligation to let them do that. You know, you've, you've done your part. You've done your work, okay? Block and delete. Let it go, let it slide, and know that this is going to happen. There's never going to be a world that we create as sex workers in this instance where we're going to have the perfect scenario where we put out the content and then we get nothing back but the money, you know, the intended purpose of the product. That's never, ever going to happen. See, it's our job as the, the keepers of the gate of the providers of the fantasy to compartmentalize everything. That's how we can do this job and be an, you know, a person and separate ourselves from this job and keep everything honky-dory and nice and safe and healthy. But the, com- the customer, there's nothing about their end of the bargain that requires them to compartmentalize anything except for being a decent person. But here's the rub. It's hard to it's hard to make somebody be a decent person when they're at their most base. Okay? So you have to expect that these guys are going to hit you up, say some nasty shit and not know any better because they're in their most primal mind. Um which is kind of the point. It's a double-edged sword. Um as soon as you're tired of it, fuck them. Fuck them. You're the you 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 are the keeper of the realm, <laughs> as it were. Again, I feel like I'm uh, going uh, uh, a little a little bit around the bend on that one, but I hope that answers the question. Yes, it does get tiring, but it's an easy fix. Okay. Um. So let's get to the third question. Uh, any progress on getting the major studios to acknowledge the predator Christian? Oh boy. Oh well. Uh, <laughs> Uh, for those, again, for those that know me and have been listening to the podcast for about, shit, a year and a half now, they know that I've been running a campaign along with, uh, my roommate and my very, very dear and good friend, Stephanie Special. Um, we've been running a campaign, an advocacy campaign, um, called performerspeakout.com. And the whole purpose about it, uh, to address the question... Uh, succinctly is is it this the website and the advocacy 
was not meant to prove to the um, major studios that that Christian uh, needs to be blocked from from the system. The thing is, everybody in the studio system already knows. They already know, and as far as um, like the the major companies are concerned, fucking even mid level and shit kind of underground companies, everybody knows that Christian is somebody that you don't work with. He's on every fucking blacklist. He's a pariah in this industry. The site's not meant to 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 drive awareness for the company so that they never hire him again. That's already done. That damage has been done simply by his reputation. See, this has been going on for the better part of 13 years. His activity, his bullying, his uh, aggressive nature, his um, predatory nature. Uh, his, uh, I mean, he's that bad of a guy. His, his, he rapes people. He literally, that's the kind of guy that we're talking about here. But the thing is, the studios, they know. They know because behind the scenes, there is a whole community of performers that talk to each other backstage, at industry parties, while on set, uh, performers talking to directors, producers. The word has been going around and has gotten out by and large over the course of uh, uh, over 10 years. And it was at a point, I'd say maybe about four to three years ago, where we, we called him a necessary evil. Um, that he was just somebody that you had to put up with. Uh, but as things have progressed, like I said, in the past like three or four years, people are sick of it. People are sick of it, and we don't feel that we have to put up with it anymore. And so uh, we all are very open and honest with our experiences with this guy. And he's on everybody's blacklist. And say, for example a company like Evil Angel. They call me up and they say, hey, Jamie, we'd like to have you come out to L.A. in two weeks. Uh, we're going to do such and such scene, and we're going to have you performing with this guy or that guy. You have your choice of guys, really. Is there anybody on your no list? Immediately I say, well, yeah, I don't want to be paired with Christian. And the same fucking answer every time. Oh, well, yeah, obviously not Christian. No, we're not talking about Christian. That's how bad it is. Everybody knows. Here's the reason why the um, Performer Speak Out campaign is uh, necessary. Because Christian makes his money one way and one way only. He makes his money by running his own independent website, and he preys on the naive and the new faces. He goes and he poaches um, uh, Reddit and Tumblr and Twitter and looks for new girls that are, you know, they don't know anything. They don't know how to talk to you. They don't know, you know, all they know is that it's something that they like. Maybe they keep in contact with maybe a few of their heroes and and they're ready to go, but they don't know anything about the industry. And Christian hits them up and uh, makes them a bunch of big promises and uh, – and completely undersells their value because he knows they don't know any better. He doesn't he knows that that they don't know what price they're supposed to be working for because there is a baseline price for scenes. There there is a um 
Uh, he'll try to talk girls out of wearing condoms but not get tested. He'll forge tests. He will, uh, before, after, and during a scene, uh, push himself on a girl in a way that they think, because they've never worked before, thinks is totally normal, and that's just part and parcel of working in, in porn, which is completely it's not. And make them feel uncomfortable but think that it's a thing that has to be accepted, like he has done for every one of us. Um, and, and those are the kind of girls that this campaign is trying to protect, and this is why it's so important that we get people to speak out because that's what the whole site is. The whole site is just a collection of stories from other girls that unfortunately got fucked with by this dude, you know? It was too late for them, for me, for so many. I mean, I have my own stories on there. Um, and and we try at every turn to encourage girls to speak up against this guy. But that's generally what the site is for, to share our stories, to disseminate information, and to help girls that are coming into the business to stay clear of this guy. Because uh, the studios, they already know. And people in my position that have been doing this for years and years and years, we all already know. There are uh, actually a lot of new girls, up-and-coming talent, that because the information has spread so far for so many years and it's you know it's such a grassroots source of information, these, these accounts of his abuse – that there are really, it's awesome. There are new girls that are coming up that immediately, like right out of the gate, already say without any kind of warning or anything that, oh, yeah, Christian tried to hit me up. I fucking shot that fucker down. He's such a fucking tool. I know what he's about. I know what he does. Uh, they're like already really hip to it, and that's amazing to hear. Like they all call him, and this is, I love this, they call him the thumb because <laughs> he just looks like a big fucking thumb. Like, I, I love how much progress we've made with the campaign and with how information has spread. Like, this is a completely new generation than the, like, the cycle of transgender porn, uh, trans porn, like, it's like a two-year cycle. You know, new faces come, old faces stick around, some people wash the fuck out, but the information travels, and it travels throughout the years, and it's, it's, hitting girls like the more viable being in porn comes the more accepted it is the the looser and and the more free people are to be open about it and investigate it at younger ages and the more they're hip to it the more the information spreads and the more they without even having to be told that this is a toxic awful person to stay away from and and that's a that's a really nice thing. That's a really high point, and I'm 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 really glad about that. So I mean, I hope that answers your question there. Um, I know it's it's <laughs> this isn't the funniest show in the world, but I'm really glad that you asked that. Um, and I just I just hope that uh, that we can get more and more people to speak out. Um, I mean, we have. I mean, it sucks. But we have like over 15 performers. One would be enough. But we have over 15 performers coming out and telling their story. And it's it's just a goddamn shame. And we're going to keep on this. We're going to keep on this to protect as many girls as we can. And that's the whole goal. And that's it. Um, so anyway, uh, 
With that out of the way, let me get to our fourth question of the night. Uh, This one comes from another anonymous. (laughs) Uh, Anonymous asks, um, if you wake up one day and discover that you become a totally, (laughs) I'm reading this verbatim, that you become a totally woman with pussy and you are married and you have a babies, (laughs) question mark, question mark, what would you do? Five question marks. Um, here's the deal. I, uh, babies are the least of my concern. I, again, like I said previously in the show, I already had an orchiectomy. I, it's, I'm just past the year mark on my surgery. Babies were the least of my concern. They are the least of my concern. I'm, I, I didn't even, I didn't even like save any fucking semen or anything for future use. That's how much I give a shit about propagating the species. I'm a little too nihilistic and a little too self-involved with my career. And I know that, well, let me put it this way. I'd like to think that I've learned from my parents' mistakes and I've taken all of the lessons that I've learned having grown up with the kind of parents I grew up with um, and said, you know what? I see, I see bad and negative traits in me um, a lot of awesome, amazing traits. I mean, I do have, by and large, wonderful, wonderful parents. But I see all the bad things that I can say that well, that part of me is my mom. That part of me is my dad, and that's why I shouldn't raise kids. I shouldn't raise kids. Um, so, if I was ever going to come to a point where I was going to raise a child, I would do it in the way that I feel is is probably the most honorable and and just amazing and best way to raise a child which is to adopt. You know, we don't need any more of me. We don't need any more of most people. There are so many kids out there. There's so many people out there that need somebody's care. And so if I was concerned about kids at all, one come a day if I ever grow up. I would like to think that I would adopt instead. As far as uh, dealing with, um, like, having like grow like waking up one day and magically having a vagina in and of itself, um, I'm very much indifferent to the idea uh, because say getting the kids thing out of the way there there would be no point. I mean, it takes two different sexes to create a child. I on like my biological sex I've already I've already uh, fucking nulled that motherfucker right out of the way so it would be the very same thing if if I were a natural born woman with a functioning vagina I probably would have got a hysterectomy <laughs> you know so the only purpose it would serve is sexual gratification at that point and right now my penis as it is provides everything. It's never let me down. It's helped me out my life. It feels good. I'm not ashamed of it. I don't feel like I'm any less because I don't have a vagina. And if I had a vagina, I would still be just fine with it. And its purpose would serve the same purpose with the situation that I have now, sexual gratification. The reason why I don't create a false vagina or a new vagina or, uh, you know, uh, a, a replacement set of genitals, as it were, is because 
it, it I would run the risk of not getting the best of either world and destroying the best of both worlds. I don't know if that makes sense. What I'm saying is I may run the risk of of losing, you know, my sexual being. And so I I'm kind of in a in a mindset where I'm if it's all the same anyway, I'm just going to leave well enough alone. I've done so much to tend to my dysphoria from almost seven years now of hormone replacement therapy, um, having breast surgery, um, having going so far as to have my balls chopped off for medical reasons. I no longer have to take testosterone blockers. I'm saving my liver. Um, and I'm also kind of calming myself down in a weird way. I mean, not having that huge testosterone factory is beneficial in a lot more ways than just saving my liver. It's psychologically it helps. Uh, emotionally it helps. Um, for a person that is as sexually driven as I am, obviously 12 years a sex worker, that doesn't come from nowhere. Um, having that surgery really did help me out and is helping me out on a day-to-day basis. I've done all of that. I've done all of that. And the last step, getting rid of the penis, is a step that I feel isn't that necessary because I really am, after all of these years, from, uh, from being a teenager till now, I've grown up enough to where I'm actually really comfortable with my body. And my happiness is not predicated on my gender or my dysphoria or any of the setbacks that may arise from from going through a transitional phase. I'm much more concerned with who I am as a person. Am I a good person? Am I a funny person? Am I a caring person? Am I a smart person? You know, am I doing the best I can to exude the best parts of my personality? That's what I care about. Everything else at this point is gravy. I'm so fortunate that I was able to alter my body to tend to my dysphoria as I have. Um, and I'm, at a, I'm just at a point right now where having the full surgery isn't even a, a blip on my radar. I am working on being the best person I can, not the most girly I can be. I think that's – I mean – that's what fucking makeup and Photoshop is for if that's what I'm concerned about. I have, again, to go back to compartmentalization, I have this whole industry where if I want to pay attention to my looks or I want to let my, I want to let my ego play a little bit or whatever sort of narcissism I have play around a little bit, I have a playground for that. It's called porn. It's called sex work, and it's compartmentalized from the rest of my life. So I can, I can play there, and I don't – again, a little bit of makeup, some lighting – you know, I can look the girliest girly I can, but that's not it's what's important to me. Day to day, I'm just fine with my how I feel about myself as a woman, you know? So I, I really do feel like I'm in a healthy place. So surgery, doesn't matter. What would I do? Would I have kids? No, not concerned. Um, I really do like these questions tonight, and I hope that I answered your question. Uh, so let's skip to uh, question five. Uh, this is a good one. This comes from uh, uh, Red Fox, friend of the show. 
runs a podcast of her own called The Graveyard Shift. She's a longtime listener, longtime caller, and she says, why are women, uh, trans or cis girls, so cute? You know what? Because we're just, we're just the fucking best. We're so cute because we've earned being cute. You know, we got to deal with so much. So to make up for that, to make up for all the hardship that we go through, we get to be the cute ones. We get a little bit of icing on top of the fucking, uh, <laughs> the, the sour cake they call life. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I don't know, dude, Red Fox, I don't know. That's, uh, it's kind of a loaded question because what's the definition of cute? You know, what's the rubric by which we're measuring the rubric, the rubric, what's the rubric by which we're measuring what cute is coming from you. You place all of your importance on girls being cute. This question could easily have come from a guy saying, why are guys so cute? You know, what's the answer? It comes down to the individual. You know, it's oh, red. Why do you think girls are so cute? What what value are you finding there? Um. I mean, my answer is I I like I like soft, I like round, I like curves, I like uh, big eyes, you know, small mouth, pouty lips, heart shaped fucking face, you know, what generally classic girl look that people that like girls like those features. What's the root of it? Why would I like somebody that is that definition of cute? Uh, well, maybe that's an entire podcast in and of itself. I don't know. But it's something I'd like to investigate um, for sure because that sounds incredibly interesting. And I know there there actually is some science behind it. Uh, but uh, that is that is a whole subject for another time. Uh, I hope that that suffices for now, Red Fox. Uh, so one last question on Curious Cat. Anonymous asks, uh, would you date a 50-year-old English guy? Uh, sure, if they're 24 and trans. All right, so we got emails here. Let's get right into it. Uh, first one pulling up is from Evelyn, longtime listener, longtime caller, savior of the show on many occasions. Uh, Evelyn says, has three questions, says, uh, I had a good time at the Croydon Pride, I guess Pride Parade or, yeah, Pride event. Uh, do you ever attend similar events? Um, you know, um, I don't. I don't. I haven't. And I did once. I did once. Um, I was, excuse me, I was 21, 22. It was in downtown Dallas. It was in a section of town called Oak Lawn, the kind of LGBT kind of queer gay community there that they have. Um, very, very nice, amazing neighborhood. Um, but it was Halloween night and I was out on a date and uh, this date was, uh, I was kind of new to, uh, playing around with the, with, at the time, same sex. I had not come out as trans yet. I was just a little gay boy. And, um, and this person was really, really super hip. They were a year younger than me. And they said, you know what? It's fucking Halloween. We've been seeing each other for a week now. Let's go out to Dallas. I think it's going to be a really good time. I know all these people. There's a pride parade happening. It's going to be awesome. And we went. And um, and I got to be completely honest with you. We spent most of our time making out in an alley uh, while, while the parade was going on, while all the events were going on. And so I didn't even really participate for the one pride event that I attended. Um, 
But I got to tell you, um, honestly, I I don't, and this is going to sound bad at first, but it gets better, okay? Trust me, it gets better. But let me get the bad part out of the way. I don't care to attend Pride events. I don't. I really don't. And it's for very pragmatic reasons. One, I'm busy. And that sounds selfish, but it gets better. Hold on. I'm very busy. I don't have time for it. I know what those events entail, and that's it's standing around, walking around, most likely in hot weather. Um, and it's a lot of it's a lot of coming together as a community, which is nice, but kind of preaching to the choir, as it were. You go and you meet a bunch of people that are think all the, this all the same shit that you do. And all you do is go, kind of go around and high five people and go, "Yeah, we we agree on the same thing." Hey, uh, this other person. Hey, hey, high five. Yeah, hey, yeah, you you like that? Yeah, yeah, I like that. No, I get that too. Yeah, and and it's it's just a it's just a bunch of that. Now, the good thing about that is that it creates visibility, and that idea I like. But it's not necessary for me to be there. Me being there, one person, won't affect it in a positive or a negative way. I know that it's happening, and and I totally agree with it, and I believe it's awesome, and I like to know that it's happening. But I find that my advocacy, I can do a lot more over the course of an entire year than I can by going out and marching around and high-fiving people I already agree with, which is to say, because I've made a, a name for myself, you know, it's not the biggest name, of course, it's, you know, I'm just some schmuck, but because I have some sort of pull, some sort of following, some sort of resources, you know, at this point in my life, my advocacy is kind of peppered throughout throughout the year, um, intermingling with different campaigns, where I'm getting a lot more work done on the ground level, you know, more grassroots and more effective, and there's just more quantity and more quality at the same time. It's it's both. Um, and I, I really feel like I'm, I'm able to do my part in a way that's, um, that's a lot more effective and kind of, like I said, on the ground floor, on the grassroots level than showing up for the spectacle part of it. But I truly believe in the spectacle part of it. It's just that me, my entire life, is like my entire adult life ever since I stopped punching a time clock card has been based on making a spectacle of myself. I got the spectacles part in spades, you know, alliteration like a motherfucker. So by creating, uh, by wearing this entertainer's mask, I can draw more attention to myself throughout the course of an entire year and get more things done than and and I think it's more worthwhile for me to put my efforts into that 
than to go out. It's because it. I'll put it to you this way: if there is ever a time when a a pride parade or a pride whatever happens to be in my area and our clocks match, and there's circumstantially there's an opportunity to attend, I will absolutely go. I will absolutely go. I have no problem with the pride parade in and of itself. It's just I'm I'm never really available for those kind of things. The timing's always off. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe to soften the blow, I, I, please, if you disagree with me or you sound like I'm not making sense, um, please write in. I'd love to have a dialogue about this. You know, this is just I'm just telling you how my brain works. Um, but yeah, I'd love to have a dialogue about this because I think this is very important. It's very interesting. And I'm just telling you how I'm coming to it as an individual. Um, so, I mean, that's a great question. Great question. Um, and, uh, Evelyn, I'm really glad that you had uh, a good time at the pride event. I'm really glad that, that I'm, you know, I hope it invigorated you. I hope it gave you some, you know, chutzpah, some, you know, some drive to keep moving forward because we really do need advocacy. It's just we need people like you to do it um, because me, I, I'm not always there for it. As much as I agree with it, I'm not always there for it. So we need people like you while schmucks like me are busy taking care of other details. You know, we're all we're all chained to the world and we all got a pole and our chains are specified to our nature and what we're capable of. So as long as there's people like you, Evelyn, that are doing your part and there are people like me doing my part, then all the parts are taken care of, okay? Does that make it make a little more sense? I hope it does because that's how I get to sleep at night. <laughs> so your second question, Evelyn, uh, is, there, um, is there any bit of recording kit that you would like to get Absolutely. This is a very – this is um, – I, you know, have a musician for 24 years. I run a production studio, sound being a very large component of that. Um, and she's asking uh, – she's also a musician. She's asking if there's any piece of equipment I'd like. And yes, there absolutely is. One piece. I don't need fancy bells and whistles. Got those as the day is long. The thing that I want is just a nice outboard, like, True hardware, I just need a compressor, like a very decent compressor. I'm not so concerned with my DAW, my digital audio workstation, um, that side of the signal chain. Like I know how to VSTs all day long. I know how to utilize all my EQ and plugins and fucking everything, you name it. I got, I got that side of the signal chain taken care of. I'm not so happy with the front of my signal chain and I can make a really good sound. I can make amazing demos. I can record decent sounding albums. Literally I can, and I have, and I got proof all over my fucking watch this YouTube page. Um, go to the playlist. I got music everywhere, uh, to varying degrees of, um, <laughs> of quality, but the best quality you'll go, Oh shit. Where'd you record that here at my fucking house? Motherfucker. The one thing that I would put a little polish on is the front side of my signal chain, and I need a compressor to do that. And uh, real quick, as an aside, um, I wish I could tell you what kind of compressor 
there's so many choices and so many uh, compressors of varying qualities that will fit a particular budget. Uh, I don't know that this is the time and the place to go over details because I want to get to the next question. But there's a channel that I follow called Spectre Sound Studios on YouTube. Links in the description uh, run by a guy named uh, Glenn Frecker. And his whole deal is that he gives uh, tips, advice, product reviews. Everything is about um, uh, how to get the best recording that you can. Admittedly, it's for metal recording. But the man is so adept at what he does um, that the lessons and the product reviews, everything uh, is germane to recording in general. And he has some suggestions about compressors that are – I'm probably going to go off of his recommendation for like one of the latest videos that he's put out for a really decent, affordable compressor. But we got to move on to other questions. Just links in the description. Um and yeah, Spectre Sound Studios, uh, amazing channel. Glenn Fricker's amazing guy, and uh, a, a lot of awesome. Uh, there's a just a, a wonderful knowledge base there. So let's move on to the next question. Um, and your third question, Evelyn, is uh, what is an album you wish you had? Well, shit. In this day and age, where every single song that you can think of, every album is just a few clicks away on the computer i don't there's there's no album that i could wish that i had i could just get anything that i want um so i'll bring it to a different place i will say what kind of physical media do i wish i had because well let me put it to you this way and this is going to be completely based off of um there's not going to be any kind of like historical reason why I want this. This is purely my own taste. My favorite band in the world is They Might Be Giants. And if I could have any piece of recorded media in the world, a physical thing, it would be their 1985 demo. The thing that they used for their press kits when they were first starting out. Um, the thing that they would send to, um, you know, journalists, you know, like fucking low-level journalists just to, you know... Uh, get their names in the paper, get some like some sort of modest review to help build their career. This is the tape that they that they put out, and they handmade them. They didn't like they recorded in their fucking living room, and they put it all on cassette tape, and they would just package it using Xerox fucking copies, completely DIY, and that's what makes them so special and so rare and so pure, is that it's it's really a band's heart like hands on the it, like at, at at their most sincere their most unjaded their most just like the most love of music is put into this little thing this little calling card that they made and i think that would be such an amazing piece of history to own now there have been like there they've been generous enough over the course of all the years that they've been a band where they've released selections from like, they've put them on B sides and compilations and like rarities discs. Uh, but to actually have the tape, the full tape, you know, that would mean everything to me. Um, and <clears throat> so to answer your question, that's what I like to have. Like the, they might be giants, 1985 street level hand recorded fucking cassette tape demo. Um, 
And so I hope that answers your question there. Uh, we have another batch of questions through our email from Stephanie. Stephanie sent me some questions. Um, that's my roommate, good and dear friend of mine, Stephanie Special. Uh, she asked uh, two questions here. Uh, what do you think about James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy? I know, Steph. Uh, being fired and completely severed from Disney today for controversial and edgy, sketchy tweets as jokes from many years back. Oh, boy. Okay. Well, oh, Jesus Christ. I, to be honest with you, um, as of the day of this recording, I am just now starting to see the tweets that and the news and the blurbs that uh, James Gunn has been fired for saying for, – for comments that he made years ago is the takeaway that I'm getting. I haven't heard any details beyond that. So, beyond that. Uh, beyond that. So um, it <sighs> – it wouldn't it wouldn't be proper of me to say anything about it because I don't know any of the details. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna save that question for next week. As soon as I get done with this, I'm gonna go look it up, and hopefully, um, I will be able to record in enough time to where my what the kids call uh, their hot take to where I have some sort of hot take, and I could put that bullshit on a podcast for your edification, Stephanie. Um, Fuck you. I'm going I'm to see you in a couple hours. You're fucking, she's sleeping right now, but uh, Jesus Christ. But I'll, I'll come up with something to say. It's just not going to happen right now. Uh, and furthermore, second question, she says, do you even want to see the next Guardians of the Galaxy since he will not be directing it? Well, James Gunn's directorial voice is what the, guard, what, you know, all the fun stuff about Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, he has a sense of, uh, comedic timing, pacing, a sense of whimsy, and just enough heart uh, to make a cookie-cutter, save-the-cat type of movie, a three-part act, circle of... He has just just enough fun in his voice to make one of those kind of bullshit Marvel movies feel enjoyable and worth your 7 to 11 bucks. And I can't really think of another director that would be able to handle it in quite the same way. Um, saying that, maybe I don't want to see uh, a Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I barely wanted to see the first two. But for seven bucks, they're fun. They're fun. Um, I mean, as a comparison, I walked straight the fuck out of uh, Ant-Man 2, and that was... That was uh, lauded to us as a fun movie. It was not fun. <laughs> um, it was all the cookie cutter parts. Um, it was it was all the it was all of the um, forced and contrived formula of where you're supposed to be funny, where you're supposed to be action packed, where there's supposed to be some heart. Like it felt like you were looking at a facsimile of a movie. You know, it, not only that, but a facsimile of a shitty movie. Um, and so I walked right the fuck out of Ant-Man 2. I didn't even get halfway through. But uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy, just the right amount of uh, it, properly placed ingredients, but who properly puts those ingredients in place? The director. So I don't know if I'm going to see a James Gunless uh, fucking Guardians of the Galaxy. Odds are, when it came out, I probably wouldn't have seen it till fucking a year after it was out anyway. So I'm definitely not going to see it now. 
if he's I, I can't imagine who they could find that would uh, make me change my mind about that, but I don't know. So we're going to, um, Stephanie, there you go. Here's your questions. I'll see you tomorrow, kiddo. Um, <laughs> I'm probably waking you up with the sound of my voice. Uh, let's see. So we're done with the emails, and we're going to end on um, my Discord, where I have some channels on my Discord, which are dedicated to the show. Uh, just another spot where people can put their questions, a little TG Q&A channel, and we're going to pull that up right now. Uh, we're in the TG Q&A channel of my Discord, and we do have some questions. Uh, question by a guy named uh, Mike Honcho. Mike Honcho has a question, says, <laughs> oh boy, how do you keep your feet so soft, and how much is it a fetish of yours? You have the sexiest souls ever, and we admire them. Okay, Mike. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's one secret and one secret only. After years and years of tending to my feet, and to answer your question, yeah, I have a bit of a foot fetish. I've kind of made my name over the course of 12 years in this industry on the foot fetish stuff that I've done. Not Maybe not so much these days. Um, there's other avenues I definitely have to explore. But... uh Back in my heyday, yeah, I made a big name out of the whole foot fetish thing. Now, how do I keep mine so soft? Very simple. Ancient secret. Child sacrifice. You have to kill a baby. You have to pray to the Lord Beelzebub. You have to be within an inner circle, part of a coven. You have to know the ritual. You have to know exactly. Now, it, the baby can't be more than, you want them between six and nine months. So it's more infant than anything. Um, but you have to you have to cut them the right way. You have to say the incantation at the right time with just such a cadence. It's a whole fucking to do. But if you do that and, uh, and you appease Lord Beelzebub, what you wind up with is the softest feet in the world. Okay, that's all I'm saying. That's how I do it. Little, little human sacrifice. And by little human, I mean little human. So anyway, uh, with that out of the way, uh, I think we have one more question, and then we can wrap this motherfucker up. Uh, let's see. Okay, Red Fox, uh, again, who asked a question earlier through uh, Curious Cat, is asking on Discord. Um... She asks in TGQ&A After Dark, so this should be a, a somewhat more adult. Well, a lot of these, everything's been adult. <laughs> but let's see. She says, uh, small laugh, good question. Laugh first. Um, it, all it all coalesced just like you predicted, uh, which leads to the question. Okay, there's a whole backstory there with what she's starting off with. Uh, she's, okay, let me, let me just get to her question. I don't want to tell a bunch of backstory. Uh, safe to say that Red Fox is a sex worker like myself, and uh, she's trading inside jokes with me, but she has an actual question. And that question is, how can I go about building a new client base with how dead my new city seems to be? She recently moved to a new city. Um, I've been active around town and on a few boards, but nada, nothing. Okay, well, two things, Red. Uh, and two things – to any sex worker that might be wondering the same thing. Um, how, how do I drum up more business when everything seems so dead? Well, there's only so much you can do. First of all, 
your location is everything. Uh, being a sex worker kind of has the same rules as real estate. It's location, location, location. Um, if you're around any kind of uh, like metropolitan hub, if you're in, in near or in any big city, well, then it's not going to be such a big deal. Um, I'm not exactly sure where you moved, Red Fox, uh, but I know that – aren't you close to um, – let's say you're, what, close to Denver? Not quite sure. It doesn't matter, but I believe you're you're next to a major hub. The thing is you have to – if you want to be in this line of work, you really have to treat it with all of the – weight and responsibility that you would if you were the boss of a large corporation, which is to say that your success or failure is completely on your shoulders. Nobody's going to give you anything and you're only going to get so you're only going to get in. This is one of these businesses where you're truly only going to get in or get out what you put in. So you can't just put up an ad once a week on a random forum, and just because you're selling sex means that they're just going to come flooding in. It doesn't work that way at all. You have to investigate so many websites. You have to put up so many ads. You have to you have to utilize every ounce of your social media presence, but then balance it in a way that isn't spammy and also isn't jaded which is to say you have to constantly come up with advertisements and content that's free that advertises your wares in such a way that it actually looks like you're having fun and you're genuine and you're approachable and the girl next door. And you kind of have to really do that. You have to utilize these opportunities to spread your wares as an opportunity for you to also have fun creating these images and playing to like a really fun side of yourself. Like I said, being a sex worker is all about compartmentalization. And if you're going to actively pursue your sex work, you have to dive across that side of the fence where it's okay and fun to be a sexual being and have fun with that and then create your ads and your promotion while in that state of mind because that will really sell it. You don't need to be – all you need is an ounce of authenticity. An ounce of authenticity is worth a pound of promotion, okay, to, to fuck up a, a Benjamin Franklin line, all right? So have fun with it and spread your word far and wide. But pace yourself as you put these ads out. There's a balancing act, and nothing's going to come easy. So much of your success or failure is going to be dependent on how sophisticated you are with how you approach your business. The more sophisticated you are, the more involved you are with your business, the more you figure out the finer points of how to promote yourself, the better you're going to do. But don't ever expect to just put an ad up, look around, and go, where's all the dudes? It doesn't happen that way. It takes more effort than that. So with that, I'm going to play us out with a song. I hope that answered your question, and we're going to get the fuck out of here. But before I go, I'm going to give one last shout-out to my good friends at Manny Vids. Thank you, Bella. Really appreciate that. 
and uh, we'll be promoting them here and there uh, throughout these episodes. They're good friends of ours, and they're going to help us out a little bit too. Right, Bella? All right. Okay, here we go. What? Huh? It's TGQ&A. All right. Good night, everybody.